0: You're about to listen to the voice of Jordan Maxwell. Um, He is an author, researcher, and lecturer in the fields of secret society, the origins of religions, and occult philosophies, as well as UFOs, and he's been doing this for a long time, since 1959. I am sharing an audio excerpt from an interview that was conducted by Carrie Cassidy and Bill Ryan of Project Camelot, and this interview was done in 2008. What you'll be listening to here is about a 20-minute excerpt from a much longer interview, um, uh, well over two hours, the, the source interview that I took this from. And, and I chose this small little uh, section of the of the larger interview specifically because I just found it so fascinating. The story he tells is so interesting. And in a way, it fits a larger overall pattern, and that pattern would be uh, UFO researchers. Well, let's just say researchers who are looking into topics that are well beyond the uh, the outer limits of what uh, of everyday society would consider acceptable. Um, occult societies and and hidden histories and such. And he tells a story of a very profound interaction with something extremely strange in his youth. And this is something that comes up over and over again. Um, Dr. Leo Sprinkle certainly tells a story like this. And I'm just left to conclude that researchers in this field, uh, a great many of them, tell a similar story, and the cause of this, the roots of this, the overall, I, I don't know, just like the, the grand design on the, on the, the chessboard of, of reality uh, seems to be much more complicated and far richer than, than the picture that would arise if we, um, if we just read the New York Times. If you find this excerpt interesting, I would encourage you to listen to the entire interview, which is also linked on the show notes. Thank you so much. Please enjoy.
1: Isn't it true, though, that you were told that you have a mission that is going to come to the fore late in life and that you might actually be there now? Do you want to tell that story at all?
2: Yeah, I suppose so. I I mentioned this, I think, on Coast to Coast once, but it was very quicky because George wants to hear all the stories as long as it's within a minute and a half. (laughs) But uh we have longer but, than that. Yeah. But um when I was nineteen I ended up in Los Angeles at nineteen years old, with seven bucks in my pocket, incidentally. I had no idea where I was going, where I was. I ended up in Los Angeles uh on a Friday night with seven dollars in my pocket. And uh I was, you know, a stupid kid. But I lived through it. But uh, Later on, a couple of months later after I got a job and, and things were working out for me, I was in North Hollywood one morning on a weekend morning and I went into a restaurant and the, the place was crowded and there was only one seat available and that was at the counter. So I sat at the counter and there was a young girl sitting next to me. So we started talking. Come to find out she only lived about two blocks from me and I only lived about two blocks from town. So she had walked downtown, I had also. So we, we, we started hanging out together. I'd meet her downtown, we'd hang out together. Now this was back in 59, and I was 19 years old. And so when we would walk home, I lived two blocks closer, so she had two blocks further to go. So I never knew exactly where she lived, but she knew where I lived. One night she came over to my place and said, my dad wants to see you wants to talk to you and of course that put me on alert I said I don't want to talk to you dad and she said no my father is very important and interesting man he wants to talk to you he's got something to tell you so that sounded interesting so I went with her and when we walked up to the house which was only a couple blocks away we walked up to the house just by chance he happened to be coming out of the house and the moment I saw him I got an incredible feeling came over me of some kind of a of a euphoric, strange, wonderful feeling that I got being in his presence, it was as if I were in the presence of a, of a of a great prophet or some spiritual man. I felt it, and I loved the feeling i mean i can 't describe it, but I loved the feeling it was an other world feeling, and I noticed that he was very much in control of himself he He knew exactly what he was doing, so he motioned for us to come in. We went in and we sat uh, the girls sat on the floor uh the fireplace they sat on the floor um He sat on one end of the sofa I sat on the other end of the sofa the The wife was in the kitchen <clears throat> I never did see her that whole night, and so we were talking and he was. You know, just he was asking me how I like living in California and how your, do you have a job and how do, you, how do you like your job? And just small talk. And I was beginning to feel a little, uh, the apprehension was going away. I was beginning to feel a little bit better being in his company. But I knew there was something about this guy that wasn't right. But I loved the feeling. And I'm 19 years old, so I'm not sure what I'm doing, but I'm just talking to this guy who's dazzling me with his presence of mind and the presence he presented. And so we're talking about all kinds of things. And then when he felt that I was sufficiently at ease, he said to me very nonchalantly, he said, remember when you were 8 years old back in Florida and your father built a new back porch and, uh, and your uncle helped him and remember your dad used green lumber that smell funny and he built a new back porch you remember that and I th- I tears started to come to my eyes and I didn't want to show tears in front of my girlfriend but he was scaring me because he was right and he, and he knew it and he said to me well did that happen or didn't it and I said yes that happened and he said also one night when you were in bed, you got out of bed and you went out on the back porch and you were looking at the moon and the moon was full. you remember that? And I said, yes, I remember that. And he said, and you were picking the wood because it smelled funny. It was green lumber, it smelled funny. And you were picking it with your finger. Remember how you picked a piece of it and you were smelling it and, and, and tasting it? And he said, you remember doing that? And now I'm really scared, because it's frightening to me. And 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 I said, yes. And he said, well, did you do that or didn't you? I said, yes, I did. And he said, well, how would I know that? How would I know what you did? And I said, I don't know how you know. And he said, I know because we were there. You just didn't see us, but we were there watching you. And I thought, well, and he said, well, because he could tell I, I was not buying. And he said, was I, was I correct in what I said? Yeah, well, how would I know if I wasn't there? And he said, we were there. And I said, who was we? He said, that's not important right now. What's important for you to know is that you're in California because we brought you here. We brought you here to Los Angeles. And I said, you brought me here? He said, yeah, why, why are you here? I said, I don't know why I'm here. I just had to come to Los Angeles. He said, that's right. We brought you here. He said, because what did you say to God? You talked to God that night. The night you sat on the porch, you said something to God. What did you say? And I just sat and looked at him. He said, I'll tell you what you said. You said you, want, you asked God to let you do something important with your life. You wanted to do something of value and importance with your life. And that was about eight or nine years old, right? I said, yes, that's what I said. And he said, well, then we're going to give you an opportunity to do something with your life then. Because you did ask. And I'm still amazed listening to him. And he said, what we have for you to do will not happen until the later part of your life. And I'm not going to go into it right now, he said. I'm not going to go into explaining it to you now. However, when the time comes for you to do what we have brought you here to do, you will know what you have to do. By that time, you will be sufficiently knowledgeable on who you are and what you're doing and where you're going. And he said, all you need to know now is that we brought you here and that we will protect you wherever it is that we put you. And, uh, and I asked him, I said, I still don't understand what you're saying. And he said, you don't need to, but one day you will understand. And he said, so I'm here to start you on your journey. He said, I have a book I'm going to give you, and I want you to read the book, and that will begin your journey and he pulls it off the shelf and gives it to me and today you can still get that book in bookstores anywhere, it's called the complete works of Charles Fort f-o-r-t even in England there's a Fortian society dedicated to the work of Charles Fort fascinating book it's uh it's, uh, it's a monumental work very thick book the complete works of Charles Fort and he opened the book indiscriminately just put his hand on the page, because a very thick book, and he opens the page and he reads a paragraph. He just opened the page and reads the paragraph. He knew exactly what he was doing. Precisely what he was doing. I didn't know, because it looked like he just indiscriminately opened it. And he read a paragraph that just blew me away. I was knocked out by what he just read. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. And he said, oh yeah, the book is filled with that kind of thing. Let me read you another one. And he, opened it up again, and just indiscriminately read something. Not indiscriminately. He knew what he was doing. I'm sure that he knew how to get your particular attention. What would be very interesting to you, I may not even see. But he knew how to play on my emotions. And he, he, he read about three little paragraphs, one after the other. And each one, to me, was absolutely mind-blowing. And I was fascinated with him, with my new girlfriend, and with this book. And then he said to me, he said, you've always been interested in UFOs and otherworldly things, right? And I said, yes, I have. He said, would you like to see some UFOs up close tonight? And I said, I'd love to. He said, well, come on, I can do that for you. And so I got up with him, and, and the two girls, my girlfriend and her sister... Now the four of us come out in the yard, it's about maybe midnight in North Hollywood, 1959, and he looks up into the sky and starts inaudibly talking. His mouth is moving as if he's talking to somebody, but nothing you can't hear him. And as I'm watching him standing there talking to the stars, I look over at my girlfriend and she's looking at me. And the look on her face was like, yeah, this is my father, that's him told you it was strange, didn't I? That kind of thing. And her sister was looking at me, and I could tell what she was doing. She was trying to figure out, how is this, how is he taking this? How is he, you know, what's going on in my mind, what the little one was thinking? Because she's seen this before. She wants to see how I'm going to react to this. And so he said, then he looks at me and he said, they said that they will be coming from uh, Griffith Park, in just a minute, there'll be three of them, and they'll be coming from Griffith Park area, they're going north, and they said that they'll be here in a minute for you. And I said, who's they? He said, you'll say. And within a couple of minutes, three beautiful disc-shaped things, glowing, very faintly glowing, came over with no sound whatsoever, and a triangle formation came over and stopped right above our head and stopped. And when they did, you could see there were disk shape, and it looked and appeared like it was like a pie cut in six or eight slices, and each slice was a different color. And what I remember distinctly is each color was like a laser color, vibrant orange, vibrant pink, very vibrant colors, six or eight colors on each one, and they were circulating, uh, not so fast as to blend the color, but circulating. And they were beautiful. And they were about the size that the full moon appears. So they're not little lights. Full moon size. Three. And I'm standing there looking at these gorgeous, beautiful, vibrant color things, spinning in colors and no sound. And I was absolutely mesmerized. I was, just, I was enthralled by seeing this gorgeous, beautiful display. And I looked at him, and he's looking at me. And he says, They're pretty, aren't they? And I said, Yes, they're beautiful. And then he looks up and talks to me. He said, They're singing they told me to tell you that they're going now. But they'll see you later. And they did. They started moving and they went out north. And afterwards we went back in and I said, What did I just see tonight? And he said, That was us. We've been here for a long time. You just didn't know it. And he said, We picked you a long time ago when you were a small child. We have something for you to do. And I said, I'm not understanding exactly. He said, you don't have to. We will let you know what it is you're supposed to do later on in life. He said, but just go on with your life. Don't worry about it. Whatever you're supposed to learn, we'll see to it that you learn. And when it is time for you to do what we have for you to do, you'll know. We'll let you know. And after that, I started, uh, I would go over there on the weekends to visit him and and the mother and the two girls. And uh, we would go out to the desert sometimes and go way out in the desert. And the girls with their mother would go for a walk and he and I would walk in the desert. And he would tell me about all the different alien life forms that are out there, where they have come from, the ones that are here. And he told me, you have enemies here. <clears throat> you have some very powerful enemies here from other places that have come and they know who you are and they know what you're going to do. So just be careful in your life but we'll protect you. I don't know what he's talking about. And then one day I went over to the house one morning and the house was totally open and they're gone. They, everything was packed and gone and the girl never told me she was leaving. They never come to tell me anything. They were just gone. Now that I look back on that experience, I feel very secure in saying that he knew what he was doing. He said, I'm starting you on your journey. And he did. And But after that was done, then he moves on.
1: Do you believe that you're at that place, that juncture where he was talking about you're going to know? Is, has another message come recently or do you feel that you're right on the cusp of something?
2: I feel I'm on the beginning of something, and I'm still not sure what all of this means. I'm not sure what it means. All I know is that I have some valuable stuff that's going to really knock people out when they see it, but I don't understand it fully yet. And I've talked with Zachariah about it, I've talked with many other uh, speakers and people that are in the speaking circuit that are knowledgeable in the subject. Um, but I, my my gut feeling, and incidentally gut, G-U-T, is simply God in Scandinavian. You know, God is English, um, dog spelled backwards, but God in, I think it's Sweden, and Scandinavian countries is spelled G-U-T. So when you say you've got a gut feeling, that's God in Scandinavian. So, but my gut feeling is, is that I don't know the full picture yet. But I'm getting there now. After 48 years, I now know that my 48 years of study, day in and day out, um, researching, reading, staying in libraries, was for a reason. So that when the time would come, I would at least be sufficiently educated in this dark subject, which I'm talking about. At least I've got some background in it now to be able to understand the significance of it. Um, and I think it's really frightening to me. It actually is, is still rather frightening because being human and watching the world where it's going, and I already know the symbols, the words, the terms. I already know the history of the secret societies and the movement, movements of the bankers. I've sat and talked with all kinds of people around the world. With Hakim, my dear friend Hakim, the Kemite priest in Egypt, and we sat out by the pyramids at night and talked about the ancient uh, kemite priesthood the and and I was blessed in the pyramid. Hakim blessed me in the king's chamber laid in the sarcophagus and and he did a whole prayer ritual over me and i was sat like I said for hours and talked with him in private about my things that have happened to me. So I am totally convinced that I, 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 there's nothing special about me, but I have been given the opportunity to be in the company of fascinating people, to learn monstrously fascinating things, and ultimately I think that there is something for me to do. I'm just not sure yet what it is.
1: Do you happen to have an idea what race this uh, man was from? Do you have a planet? Do you have any idea? In other words, do you think he was Anunnaki? Do you think he was Nordic? Do you think he was Pleiaren? Do you have any idea?
2: Uh, no, not really. I, Because he appeared to be a, an extraordinarily ordinary-looking guy, just an ordinary guy you would meet, but when I was in his presence, it was monstrous, the the feeling. I knew this is not a normal man.
1: Did his children have a different aura or a different feeling about them?
2: No. Mm-hmm. No. No, they seemed to be very ordinary. Um, I've had 36 what I call peak experiences. I mean, monstrous experiences. That was merely one. Mm-hmm. But... Um, <clears throat> yes, I've had some uh, very interesting and, and, and emotionally drenching experiences.
1: This message that you have is seems to be culminating in this, in what you're saying. Is it possible that this is going to be the message, the unfolding of what you know?
2: I think, I, I think, um, my feeling is that the reason why I'm here doing what I'm doing is because. Of this mutation, which is being foisted on the human race it 's being forced on the human race, this change that the masters of the universe, so to speak, have in mind for the human race is being foisted on us, and I believe again, just by opinion, that that 's what i'm that 's my part in in this uh, cosmic scheme or this cosmic play is to is to call people back to their humanity and let them know you're being led down the garden path into something you don't know what's coming. You had better get back to your roots of being human and start uh, re-establishing your humanity because the human race is losing its humanity. The way we were designed by the original creators... Uh, was, a, was a beautiful thing. I mean, when you look at children and, 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 and little animals, you have to know that whoever designed us designed humans and, and life forms to be beautiful, to be charming, to be, uh, to be uh, a, a beautiful thing, to live in a beautiful world with, with children and, and gorgeous and beautiful things which uplift the spirit.